welcome to Next and Ed. I'm Joe. And I'm Julie. Julie, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing really well, and I'm excited about the guest that we have today. Me too. We have with us today uh, Mr. Reggie Duncan. And Reggie... Oh, I know Reggie. You do know I Reggie. I do. I have had the pleasure. <laughs> I've had the pleasure. And I'll have to say again, yes, Julie, I met him because of you. Oh, stop it. It's like every... <laughs> I have to, all these amazing people that I know, Reggie. I have to kind of trace back because of, because of Julie. But anyway, back to Reggie. So, yeah, back to Reggie. Um, <laughs> so Reggie is in St. Louis. And we, in thinking about the interviews that we have done thus far, and those that we have had the opportunity to talk to people about the pandemic, we haven't really had the classroom teacher perspective and, and what that experience has been like and what the classroom teacher has, has noticed mm-hmm. as a result of, of all of this. And so we're very, very lucky today to have Mr. Reggie Duncan with us. Yes. Um, he is also a presidential awardee in math and science. Yeah. So I, I'm going to go ahead and say it because it's, it's kind of become a running joke now. I tell Julie that... Um, she has that award, and I don't have that award, and so she likes to carry that certificate around with her, and and remind me all the time. So right here in my back pocket, yeah. the back pocket. Just so right. I'm, so I need to ask you, Reggie, do you carry yours around? Do you want to sh- flash it up on the Zoom screen while we're talking? Well, I don't have it in my back pocket, but I'm trying to figure out a way to fashion the plaque into a ring. Oh, I love it. Perfect. Super Bowl ring. Oh, (laughs) let me know when you get that done. Absolutely. I'm kind of worried about the weight, but we'll figure that out. (laughs) Right. Well, we had the good fortune of meeting Reggie uh, when we went to the United Arab Emirates, and we did some work in Dubai. That's right. So... And, and so, Reggie, if you, if you don't mind, if you'll tell us a little bit about uh, your background in education, and I think, and you come, of it, come at it from a, a different perspective as well because of your military background and the type of school that you're working in now. So would you mind giving us a little bit of background about, about your teaching and where you are and, and all that? Sure. So um, I'm a military brat. My father was in the United States Air Force. He was a retired chief and retired here at Scott Air Force Base. I worked at a youth center uh, on base across the street from the school for about seven or eight years. Uh, began student teaching there at the school. Uh, quickly fell in love with uh, working with military dependents. Uh, so I taught math and science there for about seven years. Uh, and then because we have a high mobility rate, we also have fluctuating uh, numbers of students. So we opened up a new building uh, within the district. So I'm currently at Wingate Elementary School where I teach math and science as well. I've been there for, uh, I think, four or five school years, I believe. Um, but similar, like I said, I've been teaching math and science for pretty much my entire career. Uh, this building is mostly, I'd say about 40 to 50 percent uh, is the military dependence, but it's a lot of retired military um that also live in that in that community as well. And suburb, it's like a suburban slash rural community. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously with our that. proximity to St. Louis, uh, then we also have um, sometimes like more of the urban influence uh, in terms of families that move in or kids who are here with other family members for the school. Okay, great. And I, I saw on your resume that you're also in charge of the safety patrol. 
Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> get to wear the vest? <laughs> yes, they do. They wear their do bright you get to wear the vest, uh, yellow vest. And, or it's actually more of a strap deal. Gotcha. But I tell you, when they wear them, uh, we've had to have quite a few discussions about the responsibilities of power. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes. Do they yeah. get a little power hungry? when they? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I remind them all the time. Our job is to give reminders of the rules, not reinforce. Okay. That is for the adults. Interesting. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. So, you know, Reggie, just I, because I know you and the conversations that we have had, I know how passionate you are and how good you are as a teacher, and of course, you would not have received the presidential award if that was, was not the case. So I'm, I'm curious, I can just imagine that in your classroom, the students are very engaged, there's a lot of hands-on activities, um, a lot of, of good things going on, and then all of a sudden, this pandemic hits, and you don't get to be in the classroom with your kids anymore. And I guess as importantly as that, the kids don't get to be near you anymore. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like? And what was that experience like for you and for your students? Yeah, how has this whole thing come about for you where you are? Sure. Well, uh, I would say that I'm in a, the minority uh, in that um, we had our students very well prepared uh, for the simple fact that we've been teaching uh, infectious diseases in our Project Lead the Way unit since around, I'd say, November. Mm-hmm. So when things had happened initially in Wuhan, uh, obviously I was doing my due diligence, um, doing my research for different supplementary material I would bring into the classroom. Uh, so I actually wound up researching quite a bit about what was going on with this novel virus and uh, was bringing some of that information into the kids, into the classroom and in our discussions. So um, with that being said, I also had this kind of a feeling when we were looking at things progress. I've had friends internationally uh, who were telling me about their experiences. I have friends in Italy at Aviano, the military base out there. And um, with my church group, my mission group, we were actually going to go back to Tokyo, Japan. We do a partnership with these schools out there. Uh, so because we had a connection with those schools and they had already shut the program down and we already had a little bit of a headway, um, more so than others, that this was coming. Um, I never told the students, obviously, hey, guys, I think this is going to come right. uh, here and schools are going to shut down and all of that. I'm not Nostradamus. Uh, but as things started to become um, more and more clear that that would be the case, we started preparing the kids, I'd say, at least a week before we left uh, on some of our e-learning uh, platforms, making sure that they were familiar with how to log in and things like that. So the transition for us, although it was very challenging, um, I can't even imagine for most teachers what that was like uh, to one day everything's fine and the next day it's, hey, you need to figure out a way to deliver this instruction, quality, equitable instruction to your students uh, via e-learning platform. So um, in answer to your question, it wasn't as difficult, I would say, as others. Um, what we do each day um, is actually something we sim- we're simulating kind of how we wrapped up the end of the year, working on some things called our passion projects. Some of the things we actually presented in the UAE. We were doing these uh, at home, uh, which the kids just loved. Nine to 10 weeks they're working on uh, something that is their passion, an area of which they want to develop themselves. And we really focus, use it to focus on developing a growth mindset, teaching them how to persevere, 
through a challenging task, short-term goal setting, long-term goal setting. So we use that as a supplement uh, to the materials we were preparing through the e-learning platform for math and ELA. Well, that sounds amazing. What what grade are you teaching? Uh, fifth grade. You fifth okay. grade. Okay. Um, so as this began and, and your kids were better prepared, and that's that's amazing that they were that you kind of saw this coming and, and were able to get some things prepared ahead of time. Um, how did it go for you? I know that it's wrapped up for you now, but how was it w- working with the kids remotely and, and what kind of challenges did you face? What things did you discover along the way? Well, I would say obviously the initial challenge for, at least for me personally, um, was trying to take care of my kids uh, as well as, um, I guess maybe a responsibility I took on myself uh, with colleagues, making sure that they were okay. Um, their social emotional health is where it, it needed to be. Um, the biggest thing that we encountered was initially because it was like a, it's like a blessing and a curse. The kids were knowledgeable, uh, but then they were almost too knowledgeable to the point where now they had these fears because the they had already virus? done these experiments. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. So okay. for them, they're like, oh, no, they knew how quickly uh, viruses can be spread on different surfaces and things like that. So it was the initial challenge was just making sure everybody was OK uh, before we really got to the academic uh, side of things. And then the other challenge was making sure colleagues were comfortable with some of our material. I had quite a few reaching out, you know, just kind of needing help with Screencastify and things like that. And then also on my end, obviously reaching out to colleagues in the tech department, um, getting help on different programs for the kids as well. I know for myself that it was a lot of uh, learning as we go. You know, we're trying it out, we're doing it right away, and then we're trying to get it out to the the parents. But I really love that you brought in that, um, you know, socio-emotional part of let's take care of each other first. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's really so important. Every single morning, our Flipgrid videos that myself and my team partner make for the kids, it's always something fun and goofy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in Google Classroom, although we do have a list of things that they need to complete for the day, they always start the day off as normal as possible. And that was very important uh, to myself and my colleague. Um, and we just try to find a way to just make it fun every day first. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure they're relaxed. Everybody's feeling good to go. Then we get to down the business. To the academic part of it. Did you find that when this began, did all of your students have access to all of the resources that they needed to be able to do this? Yeah. And again, I would say we were in a very, very uh, blessed and privileged situation in that uh, this school year happened to be the year that my school, my students got one-to-one devices. Okay. Um, Last year we had Chromebooks available in the classroom, but they were shared. So, um, which is still amazing, right? I mean, we have lots of resources in my district. So we have two different classes uh, where the kids switch between me and my partner. And you had last year one Chromebook cart with like 30 Chromebooks on it. Uh, But this year we each have our own individual cart. Uh, So in terms of the students having the resources, it worked out amazingly because they already had access to the Chromebook. So you just Uh, distributed those when they left? You just checked them out. Um, Is that what they happened? I'm trying to remember when they went out. But they were. They didn't take them them. with them that day. Uh I believe the following week, uh, there was a sign up system where parents would come in and get their Chromebooks. So within, I'd say all my kids were signed in within the first, probably about like day eight or day nine. Mm -hmm. Everybody for sure had their Chromebook. 
So they all had their Chromebooks, and then I'm assuming then, because you can't do a whole lot with a Chromebook if you don't have uh, internet access. So we're all, did all your students have access to the internet when they got home? Uh, I would say in my homeroom, I had every student except for one. Um, I don't know the situation across the whole building, but I know there was various discussions taking place um, about students within our community. Because again, we have various schools in our community, like all schools. Uh, but it's odd because my school is technically Belleville. Um, the school I mentioned before, Scott Elementary, technically they're Scott Air Force Base. But the other schools in the district are all in the town of Mascuda. So we're spread out, but not. So it's, as you can imagine, you have very different setups, obviously, in each of these areas. So a lot of the kids that may be on free reduced lunch or uh, students who were maybe in town uh, probably had more of those challenges than my actual students. Uh, But I know for sure they were talking a lot about how are we going to get Wi-Fi to students who don't have it. Uh, I know they talked about some of those pocket, like pocket Wi-Fi deals or something to that effect. Hotspots and things like that. I'm hot, sorry. Hot spots and hot spots. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the challenges that we had here. The, the Mobile County school district is, is really large. There's, I don't know if it's large. It's the largest in Alabama. To, so we can. It's St. Louis, but I mean, we have yeah. 80, almost 90 schools and 60,000 kids, a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of rural areas and uh, a lot of students different. that just didn't have access mm-hmm. to the Wi-Fi. So we, they implemented uh, hotspots in areas that in, in, in homes that needed it, and uh, that at least allowed the students to gain access. Now they tried to also issue out devices for the students as well for those that didn't have them. But uh, our school district at this point is not a one to one, so they didn't have have that opportunity. But well, I'm interested too to to see what was the reaction with your students you know you said you started out the day trying to make them comfortable and relaxed and then you would uh, get in you know get down to business but how did how was the feedback for that how was you know how was their response to you or how did you um, provide feedback for them with their work you know how did you feel about that in comparison to being in the classroom a bit challenging so we sent out sample schedules Uh, obviously we don't expect you know, everyone to keep to a same routine. Right. You know, we have a lot of students in our community whose parents are on the front line, whether they're nurses, policemen. I actually had a, one student who's one of the parents was a policeman and the mother's a nurse. So oh, yeah. they're working completely different schedules. So what we did is we sent out the sample schedule uh, just to kind of give them some semblance of what a routine could look like throughout each day. Um what happened when it came to the actual work was a little challenging because they're kids, right? right? My kids are 10 right. and 11. So I would tell them if you submit something, you know, these are Mr. Duncan's office hours. If you email me, I will email you right back. Well, in kid world, it's out of sight, out of mind. So they hit send <laughs> and then you sure. give them feedback on the assignment, hoping we can, you know, answer, get their questions answered or um, allow them to, you know, critique or, whatever it is with the evaluation they received and make adjustments. But oftentimes it turned into you get another email from the kid at 10 o'clock at night from something that you sent to them, at, <laughs> back right. to them at like 945 after they emailed you yeah. at 940. 
That's right. So, That's so right. the the immediacy or the the that was missing. <laughs> so yes, so absolutely. Point. Absolutely. And I mean, a lot of the kids obviously they they love school. They care about what we're doing. The format was obviously very different than what you're used to. Like you said it earlier, Joe. My kids are very used to working in groups, working hands on, lots of games and activities. They're always asking me questions, whether or not that's how middle, middle school is going to be. So this shift was a challenge for them because, again, it was almost like you were taking, not in all situations, but some of our tasks we were assigning to the students, they were basically just worksheets mm-hmm. being packaged in a different form. And my kids were very quick to pick up on that. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. But there's only so much you can do um, when you're cr- trying to create everything right. on the fly like right. that. Right, and we've talked about that before, too, about what level is actually being distributed to the students. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because so many of the, the teachers that were thrown into this had no prior experience with remote teaching, remote learning, and it's a completely different approach to uh, your pedagogy and um Hands-on, interactive. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. that ended up being a lot of it was just uh, worksheets uploaded. But but you did mention using Flipgrid and screencasting and those type of Mm -hmm. things. So did you, you know, use a multiple platforms in order to deliver your instruction? Absolutely. And um, we were actually asked as a school uh, and school district to tone things down a bit. Huh. Uh, although, you know, my partner, I, we Just pushed to not out stress surveys out to our parents. Yeah, to I'm not sorry? stress out the kids. I'm sorry, to not stress out the students. Okay. Uh, I didn't hear that first part. You said. She was asking, you said you were asked to tone it down. Why, why were you asked to tone it down? Oh, yeah. So I think it wasn't us in particular. I think it was just a district-wide giving everyone a heads up because obviously every family has a unique situation. Now, for example, the surveys we pushed out to our parents, I believe we had 78 to 80% of the parents were very satisfied with everything that we had already been doing those first few weeks. And we had none that weren't satisfied. Uh, The rest were somewhat satisfied. Uh, But, you know, obviously we were a family. We're a smaller school district. So uh, obviously what works for one has to be able to work uh, in various situations. So I think they were looking at more of parents being able to help in other situations um, where, for example, a student, one student is getting work help from a parent, another student hasn't seen mom or dad all day. Sure. And that becomes a challenge when you're introducing multiple uh, resources. The kids are familiar with them. The biggest challenge was the parents were not. Uh, they would come home and say, hey, what is Nearpod or why aren't you doing (laughs) Freckle? You were doing Freckle yesterday and now it's like, what is this? So that was a little bit of a challenge because it'd be a bit confusing uh, to have too many resources for parents. Sure. And that, and that can be, if it's all thrown on the kids at the same time, it can be confusing for the kids as well. And I know you said you've with your students, they already had experiences with a lot of those, but that's one thing that I've heard from my college students is that if a professor tries to include too many different platforms and too many different types of, whether it's something like Kahoot, which is a you know, web-based mm-hmm. game and that kind of thing, that 
they the, the students begin to feel overwhelmed because they're, then they begin to forget, okay, where did I put this? Where did the instructor, this instructor wanted it in Google, but this instructor wants it in OneDrive, and they get a little confused on that. So I can appreciate that, especially for parents who have no experience with any of it at all. They're you know, trying to, okay, <laughs> yeah. what is this format? Right. I, I get that. Did you feel like you were as much IT support as you were an instructor? I mean, I felt like I was always supporting oh, the that much, as much as I was trying to give instruction. Yes, I had some parents. Even, so I, my, we've developed a really great, obviously, relationship with our families. So they really trust us almost too much <laughs> sometimes uh, because they're, they really have the attitude of uh, whatever you say, Mr. D, like it's like it's fine. And I think it's even become more so after the award, which is nice, but it's also not because it's like, well, I would hope that we all have that same level of trust for any of our teachers. But I think it just becomes this whatever you say. Uh, but then the problem becomes that it's not actually a problem, I guess. They're excited to learn about things they've never seen before. Like, for example, I've used Padlet, mm-hmm. uh, which is another web-based program for exit tickets. So students would post kind of their thoughts about the lesson that day and a funny picture or something to go with it. Well, then I have parents emailing me if they have technical issues with it. But then they're also saying, hey, would you be able to show me how to use that? Because I want to use that in my job or I have parents asking me (laughs) if I can make tutorial videos on how to use different things in Google Forms and Google Slides because their kids were doing things that they didn't know how to do. Um, So there's your side gig. I can't say that I obliged (laughs) all those. I said there's your side gig. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I can't say I honored every request, but I I did what I could to to help them out. That's right. Do what you can. Well, Reggie, what do you think – things are going to look like as we move forward. Um, let's just say that you're given the opportunity to, to meet face-to-face again in the fall. And do you think that's going to look different or should it look different? What, what do you think is going to be next down the line for us? Um, well, I'm not sure if you've all seen that parachute analogy that's been going around on social media in terms of the situation, uh, if you think about the flattening of the curve, uh, what the goal was, so our healthcare systems would not be overwhelmed and things like that. Uh, It's like the parachute. You jump out of a parachute and your descent is very rapid. Then you open the parachute and everything's calm. When everything's calm, it's not the right time to take off the parachute and go, oh, we're doing well now. And you haven't even landed on the ground. So as far as my perspective on what things are gonna look like, I follow the science and the scientists, and quite honestly, there hasn't been a lot that has changed in terms of what we've been told uh, as far as how long uh, we're going to potentially be in this situation. So I absolutely feel things will be very different when we get back. Uh, I think the last thing I saw on uh, CDC and John Hopkins uh, was um, talking about obviously much smaller class sizes. I mean, it's just not possible. I had 29 students in my classroom this past school year. Uh, It's not possible to put 29 students in a classroom and socially distance. Mm -hmm. It's just not possible. Um, I anticipate that we um, either will not start when we think we will, or we will potentially have a start that will then turn into um, remote learning um, at different points throughout the school year. Um, As far as what does that look like for our, our teachers and our parents and our students? 
we're going to have to do what we can now. I get it. It's summer. Everybody needs a little bit of a break. Um, it's been rough. A lot of people recovering just, again, from the social emotional aspects of the situation. But I'm a huge fan of if you don't plan ahead, then you plan to fail. We have more time now, and we need to really equip our teachers with the tech tools they need. We need to have, you know, like I said, tutorial videos, um, FAQs, all this information for various um, online uh, platforms for our parents. Um, because, again, like when we first started, that was the one of the biggest challenges is um, helping the kids, but I'm mostly helping the parents mm-hmm. to understand how to navigate some of these uh, resources online. I think that there's going to be a huge shift even in the applicants uh, that we have to consider, right? We've always had a, a challenge with the teacher shortage already, uh, but I think we need to people who are um, affluent in technology, you know, um, are fluent in technology. Like they're able to, like we do, like, for example, you have a tech person, tech department. We do have an IT um or a tech teacher in each building, the computer teacher, the instructional aide. But I'm thinking schools are going to need at least one of those or even someone whose role is to support a particular grade band or grade level. Um, Because I just don't see how we can continue to do this and support across subject areas. Uh, Because currently we're just mostly focusing on math and ELA, but in terms of resources, I don't even know how you can on a consistent basis with elementary students um, follow the engineering process remotely and doing collaborative, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, exploring phenomenon, things like that. I just don't see it right now with what, what we had available in the short time of my um, short amount of time that we had. So I, I definitely anticipate that um, things are going to be very different than they were. That's great. Yeah, I think those I, are some great insights because absolutely. I often wonder, like, if this had happened earlier on in the year, what it would be looking like. Because it was it was almost fortunate that this happened at the end. Yes, and we could just sort of yeah. wrap things up and then try to catch up and then go take a breath. What are we going to do next? Absolutely. So I think those absolutely. are some really um, spot on ideas about what's going to have to happen. Yeah, I really think uh, you you hit on some good points there that we really are in a situation where we may be on again, off again with this remote learning, and we've got to be ready for it. Right, I love the parachute analogy. I have not heard that. I haven't heard that? It's a good one. Yeah, it's a really good one. Um, well, Reggie, we really appreciate you being with us today. We appreciate your insight from, from inside a classroom and um, – working with the, the group of students that you have. I, uh, it makes me wish that I was back in fifth grade in, in your classroom. That would have been, <laughs> been awesome to I know they're lucky I'll tell students. You from my, my experiences with you, Joe, I'm sure you'd be a straight A student. I don't know about ah. that, but I'd sure like the hands-on <laughs> stuff. So Yes, I, I know your students are very lucky to have you and the support that you gave them over this amount of time as well. Um, while we're on the Zoom with Reggie, I see behind him a, a caricature of yourself. Yes. Tell us about that real quick. Yes. Well, my art skills uh, leave much to be desired. I can only draw myself. <laughs> I've gotten a little bit better at drawing my partner, Mrs. Hesker, but it's been pretty bad. But the kids love I just throw them up on the board, especially when I'm absent. 
when there's a sub coming the next day, I always put a big message to them with my my caricature in the corner. So just trying to bring again that familiarity of when we were together to start their day. All that's so nice. That's so nice. Well, Reggie, there are numerous topics that we would like to explore with you. And if you're willing to come back, maybe we can explore those with you in, in future episodes. We'd love to talk to you again. If you're open absolutely, to that. absolutely. Well, thank you so much for yeah. being with us today. And for those of you listening, please be sure to join us next time as Julie and I continue to explore what's, what's next, next in Ed. Don't forget to subscribe. If you like what you heard, please rate and review this podcast so others can find us. The Next in Ed podcast is brought to you by the Mobile County Public Schools IT Department in partnership with the Department of Counseling and Instructional Sciences at the University of South Alabama. Engineered by Tim VP Media Production. Music by Justin Matthews. Hosted by Dr. Joe Gaston and Julie Neidhart. Follow us on Twitter at Next in Ed and on Facebook. Guests on the podcast are expressing personal opinions for informational purposes only. They are not necessarily acting as official representatives for their schools, universities, organizations, or places of employment. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.